You're listening to the Monday Christian Podcast, the program that helps you put into action the truth of God's Word that you hear on Sunday to your everyday life on Monday. And now, here are your hosts, Ezra Beyer and David Hartkopf. Well, hey there, welcome to the Monday Christian Podcast again. Here with Dave. Dave, uh, well, we got a kind of an interesting program here coming up, talking about the topic of holiness and uh you know, I put a post out on my Facebook, just kind of curious as a teaser to see what people, you know, and I just put, I think I put down like, um, what comes to mind when you think of the word holiness? So, you know, I don't know, about a hundred responses. What do you think when I, I threw out that term? What was the first thing that came to your mind? When I, when I think holiness now, uh, I just, for me, it has to, so my mind can get bogged down in minutia and theological uh, things and I I enjoy that, but for me to think about holiness practically, I think Christlikeness. He's the full man. If God is holy, and Jesus is the is the human manifestation, um, when I think holiness, I think I think Christlikeness. I think I think it's like Jesus because he he has explained the Father to us, right? And so yeah, I, I, that that's that's my pivot because it helps me think more practically and less um all oh, these cons these, these holiness as a concept sort of out there um yeah, yeah. yep no it's interesting because some people they pop you know they give the definition you gave christ likeness right and the term holiness naturally is a um a great term and for my opinion it is um i i don't really have too many negative thoughts when uh, i think of the term holiness because uh, it's just all throughout scripture but for some and i really appreciate the honesty it's actually a very negative term because they came out of different holiness circles i came out of a circle called the conservative holiness movement and for some that was a not very positive experience for them others came out of other holiness circles whether it's more charismatic or you know so forth and so the term holiness i mean it can have all kinds of negative associations and and so I guess as we do this podcast with Dr. Bill Yuri, one of the reasons I wanted to have him on is that I, I feel like he articulates the whole concept of holiness, what it means to be a holy person, what it means to be a loving person. I feel like he does one of the best jobs of anyone that I know of articulating what that means. Yeah, the, it's interesting how well-versed he is in the scriptures, but he's able to talk about holiness very practically and uh, for folks that have opportunities for growth or maybe have some negative sort of embedded things. Um, I think he, he speaks, even if he's not quoting certain scriptures all the time, his language is very informed by the text of scripture and he does it so winsomely. He mentions, um, you know, further writings toward the end of our podcast here. And one of the, one of the books that I think people ought to read is he mentions Dennis Kinlaw, but he just has a simple little book called let's start with Jesus. Great. And especially, especially for folks that have been, maybe hurt from for whatever reason i don't know just somehow seeing maybe maybe reading through the gospels and seeing afresh how jesus lived and interacted there i think there's something that he's holy and he's so attractive and viewed what he did and how yeah. he acted towards people how he treated people is so compelling to me and it moves it once again just out of the realm of a theological discussion into what does this look like um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm with you. And uh, again, 
for those that are listening that have had maybe abuses or um, they associate the term holiness with something bad, uh, I just want to say, man, I feel your pain. Um, I, I'm, you know, my heart's kind of with you today. But on the same hand, um, and so I guess I say that, um, but also I'm speaking from a perspective where um, I, I think you can get to a place where that is a beautiful term. It's, it's, yes. a, it's a wonderful thing. And so sometimes it's hard to, um, it's like with a lot of, there's a lot of terms, even the term evangelical now, right? There's lots of terms that yeah. carry some baggage with them. Um, but if you're able to lay aside some of those things and really just go back to scripture and say, okay, well, what does the Bible really have to say about what it means to be a holy person? I think you find something that is, that really actually works for your life. It actually yeah. works. And um, anyways, I'm excited about this conversation with Bill Yuri. Bill Yuri, he, there are some points at, there's, and he does a great job of it, but he can go to incredible depths on this subject. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I appreciate him being willing to speak and kind of um, dumb it down to at least my level today. <laughs> Happy Canada Day, by the way. Happy Canada Day. Well, this comes out on July the 3rd, right in between... Canada Day and um, July 4th. So happy Canada Day. Happy 4th of July to everyone that's watching and listening. So, all right, up next, here's our conversation with Dr. Bill Urey. Well, we're pleased to be joined with Dr. Bill Urey on the podcast today. Uh, if you don't know Dr. Urey, he's a phenomenal Bible teacher and he's the uh, founder and he does the, it's called the Hour of Holiness podcast, which you can get on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. I listen to it on a regular basis. Really, really enjoy it. So, Dr. Yuri, thank you for joining us today. It's great to be with you, Ezra and David. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Glad we're, I can see your faces and glad to share with your audience whenever I can. Yeah, I've wanted to have you on for years ah. because it's been, I think it was back about 10 years ago, I had uh, one of your systematic theology classes way back in the day. And I still say this when I meet people and they ask me, who are your top teachers and you're right up there at the top um because i just well, found the way you communicated really taught me a lot about being winsome and talking about difficult subjects in a good way so thank you <laughs> <laughs> thank you because sometimes i feel like what i do is is pretty hard stuff uh in these in these days of all kinds of questions about sexuality and ethics it's it's hard to uh to speak the truth in love, but thank you for that affirmation. And I do remember you as a student. Uh, you were one of my best students ever, Ezra. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, our audience needs to take that with a grain of salt because there's another professor <laughs> that both of us know. And I have, I've shared this story a few times. I wrote a paper in Pentateuch. And the first one, I okay. think I got like a D minus. The next <laughs> one, a C. No, 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 no. I failed the first two papers. I failed the first two papers. Wow. And, and the, the third paper then I turned in, I got a D minus with the words mercy, exclamation point, and a circle around it. And so when I got to your class, I had worked through a lot of those kinks. So you got me at a better time. <laughs> and now he's a writer. Now he's a writer for a job. <laughs> so, uh, uh, well, Dr. One of the, um, the confessions, there's one word. I often find myself saying because of you. Oh, no. And it's the word intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. That's it. <laughs> and uh, I catch myself. And every time I use that word, I always, always think of you. So anyways, <laughs> here we go. Those that listen to your podcast don't know that word. Um, well, hey, so, so Dave and I were talking beforehand, and we wanted to bring you on and talk about the whole subject of holiness. 
You have a whole mm-hmm. podcast, radio hour devoted to this the subject mm-hmm. of holiness. Yeah. And uh, before we get into all that, let's go back in time. Um, how did you first come to faith in Christ? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was a missionary kid, grew up in Taiwan. Uh, my parents were incredibly godly people. Uh, I grew up with holiness and sanctification terms and, and experience in terms of modeling in front of me virtually every hour of my life. I never, ever knew a day in which my parents were not yielded to Jesus totally, obeying him totally, loving him intimately. But I was a rebel. I don't know still why that happened. Uh, for 18 years, I gave my parents fits, uh, went to college very angry. But once I got away from their uh, apron strings and their shadow, I, I began to realize in the context of other Christian young people that I was a selfish person entirely. I, I didn't love anybody, didn't love my parents, didn't love my siblings, didn't love anyone. And so that lack of love really showed, re, was revealed to me, my, my, my fresh knowledge. I gave my heart to Jesus. He graciously received me um, that first year. Uh, but I fought holiness. I fought sanctification, uh, yieldedness to him for four more years. And that was really the most difficult time of my whole life because I wanted to be a Christian without yielding everything to him. So the thing we're talking about today is not just a doctrine for me. It's a personal journey journey uh, of how I relate to Jesus and how I how he relates to me. So it's it's very important to me what we talk about. I know people have different views on this, but for me, it's very personal, the doctrine of, of holiness. Yeah. And Dave, you're talking with your mute button on. So I got I turned Dave this fancy mute button. And uh and now, and now look, look what we've done. <laughs> yeah, he said I cough too much. I have allergies. And so like I have this cough button, but I leave it off because I'm a technophobe. So I've heard doc- Dr. Ear, I've heard you speak many times, uh, different places, and uh I've always been moved by a lot of your stories, some of your growing up stories that you've shared. But yeah, um yeah. for for when you're sharing about sort of normative Christianity or post-conversion expectations for folks outside of your theological bubble. Mm. How do you how do you describe this journey? You know, we, we have a yeah. a variety of folks in our audience. When you when you just talk about it from the scriptures or less systematic language, yeah. maybe that you you know, like Ez probably had a background, so many oh. of the terms you're very familiar with. What do, when you talk about holiness? How, how do you start that conversation with people? Right. Well, I, I hope it's not too systematic, the direction I'm taking, Dave. You, you tell me if I'm wrong. No, okay? it's okay. I want, I want to come to wherever your folks are, and really. And I'm not above. I'm just, this is the language I use. For me, I start with creation, actually. I start with reality and ask a person, if you believe in creation and the one who created, then what, who was God? Who is he before creation? That's where I always start. Who is God? What? person, the world as we know it, the universe as we know who is he? And the Bible gives us two words, I think, that are the answers to that. And they're, I think they're inseparable. They're distinct, but they're inseparable. And that is holy. He is holy and he's love. So anytime those two concepts are ever separated, you've missed God. They always go together. He wasn't righteous before I came and broke the law. He wasn't merciful until I needed his mercy. He was holy and love perfectly in himself. I think the Bible gives us those two concepts. So for me, holiness then is who God is. If I want to know him in his fullness, I've got to engage with who he really is. And that is reality. In fact, I think it's ultimate reality. If you want to know what's ultimately real, 
It is holiness and love. Nothing else comes even close to those two concepts. And that's where I begin. Because all of us want to know what's real. I mean, why are we here? Why am I, why am I at this desk? Why am I talking to you? Where am I going to this evening? If I don't know what's real, it's going to be a mirage. It's going to be a, a game I play, a cycle of nothingness. And I think Christians cycle in nothingness a lot. We, we think we know God. We act like we do, but we're full of fear. We're full of damage. We're full of sinfulness, anger, and lack of love, and all kinds. And we say, and the, world, and the world sees that. And they're saying, well, we don't want to live fake lives. So why would I come toward you if you're going to be an anxiety-filled, angry person all the time? Uh, I don't think that's what the Lord has for it. I think he has much, much more. So that's where I'd begin. It's a huge discussion, of course. Holiness occurs just in the Hebrew, 800 times in the Old Testament. So it's not an easy doctrine to summarize in one sentence, but those are the two concepts I would hold to. What's real what's, what, is who he is. Yeah, go ahead. What's your relationship between holiness and love? How do you, does love flow out of holiness, holiness flow out of love? <laughs> Great question. I don't know for sure. <laughs> because for me, I'm, I'm, I'm a Trinitarian. So for me, uh, before creation, now it blows my mind to think about this, but before the Lord had anything else besides himself, when there was nothing, in the beginning, nothing <laughs> except the Lord, um, I think you have three persons in self-giving love. But that is holiness. So when holiness is revealed, it comes out of that self-giving triune love. So for me, that's a very important point for any believer to begin to come. The Trinity blows people's minds, and we argue about whatever a person can conceive about, about God in himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, co-equal, eternal, those three persons, their mutual relationship is, I think, the source of all that's holy. Uh, if you're going to ask me which comes first, I can't tell you exactly. In fact, I've had a lot of debates with the very professor that gave you the D minus on this very point. Um, he he would say it's holiness first and then love, and I would I would argue probably the opposite. But I don't think it matters much. Both of those concepts are eternal, and they best describe the nature of God in His essence, who He really is. Well, we're having computer issues, so Dave's computer just crashed apparently. So we'll uh, we'll bring him back in in a little bit here. I'll just oh, uh, but I want to go back to this this whole concept of holiness. So before we get into it more, I want to address something. So I Dave Ooh. mentioned this I think earlier. I threw yeah. out a post on my Facebook channel and said, "Hey, the topic of holiness. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think of it?" And here was so I got received different answers. Some people uh, very clear, concise thoughts that came to mind, positive imagery. Others, yeah. uh, Sarah, she writes in, she says, not good things, rules, oppression, spiritual abuse in the name of God and holiness, abuse of power, etc. Um, and I, I would think Sarah speaks for a number of people when they think of the term holiness, um, there's different circles. Uh, I know you're connected with the Salvation Army. There's there's whole different circles um, that have taught different principles of holiness. And that when people think of it, they associate the term holiness with a specific group of people. And so right. how do you deal with people that have those struggles? Sure. Yeah. Well, I understand. Um, it's intriguing. I mentioned my parents earlier. My mom came out of a radical holiness background. I mean, we're talking everything that would describe a holiness person. She was it growing up. Very, very, I think, damaging things happened to her. But... At the same college where I was converted and sanctified, she also met Jesus in a, in a profound way. She never allowed those rules to get in the way of, of her 
deep love, being deeply loved by Jesus. That was the reality of her life. So I saw a person respond to those kinds of strictures, and there were lots of them on her life. I mean, she had to wear the exact opposite thing of people at school just to make the statement that she was a holiness person. She was forced yeah. to do that kind of stuff. Yep. Now, I, I but I watched a healthy adult say, "There is not. I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going to critique that background. I see what those people were trying to do. They were trying to protect me from various kinds of temptations, the world, whatever the words are. But they over they overdid it. We often overcorrect. So we have in, in the present church today, we have an overcorrection of those who are focused on mercy and love that don't have any law in their life." And we mm -hmm. have those who go the mm -hmm. way of law and don't have any love in their life. It's almost like you divide holiness and love in those two categories, standards right. and love. They must go together. You never find the Lord ever saying in the Bible anywhere about his holiness, well, go and do whatever you want. Mm. He will tell us how much he loves us, how much he cares for us, what he does for us, what he wants to bless us with. And then he says, by the way, don't lie. Don't steal. So we we can never move away totally from law and legal legal ideas, but legalism is never the way to true holiness. Legalism is always going to destroy intimacy, personal reality, and that's what I think Sarah is talking about. And I'm so sorry to say that the church has aided and abetted often that wrong conception mm. because we have missed out on the on the essential nature of this self-giving love that is, is God himself that he wants to pour into our lives. Yeah. When, when I love somebody, I don't do the things that hurt their heart. Hmm. And that's where le law should come. It's not out of, it's not law leading to love. It's law coming out of an obedient heart. Which I'm is what I desires. Yeah. I'll propose and, a theory here and you might uh, you might grade me poorly on it, but one of the thoughts that I've had is D minus. Yes, a D minus <laughs> with mercy, an exclamation point. Um, <laughs> when we think of the term term holiness, I, I think sometimes what happens, one of the eye opening experiences for me was going to a city like Toronto, Canada, I lived there for five years and yeah. operating with lots of different people that had, let's take the term holiness. Okay. But then in their context, it meant something they, they had their, the theological areas where we had yeah. lots of points of commonality. And we we agreed in this area, but then maybe um, the barnacles to the ship, something like that. The outflow of how that worked out in their their camp was different than maybe my upbringing. And so I think this is just my observation that sometimes when people, you know, they think of the term holiness, and then they've been around a group where there's quote unquote maybe barnacles that have added to the ship, and then they go to another group and they're like, well, wait, they've got these other areas that they emphasize, and this other group has these other areas they emphasize, and just forget it. I don't know what to do with holiness and I give up. So, I mean, does that, how do you that's grade me and what do you do if you're in that position? Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a tough one because I, I think I know exactly what you mean. And I, I guess I've lived so much of my life, all of my life in very near to that kind of difference of lists of behaviors that I've sort of gotten used to it. And I, I kind of, you know, blink at the ones that don't mean much to me and then focus on that, which really, right. really does. Right. I, I think though, because again, I don't want to diminish anybody's desire to follow Jesus intimately. If he can speak to you about something in your life, you follow him. <laughs> and often the church helps us see those things. I don't want to diminish or mock anybody who does that. But I am accountable for my relationship. So in the hearing of the word, listening to his voice in my own quiet time, in the church, in institutions, if the Lord speaks continually to me, I think he will affirm to every believer who wants to hear his voice this is something that matters in our relationship. 
It may not affect somebody else's life the same, but for you, it is, this is what I don't want or do want in your life. For, so, so again, I go back to relationship. It, it's never anybody's lists that are ever complete. Let me tell a, a crazy story, if you don't mind. It, it, it marked my oh, whole life. Crazy stories, yes. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, it, and, it, and it may make, it may, you, you can, you respond because it may add to the legalism thing. I don't want to. I want to do the opposite. Quickly, I came downstairs one day, didn't smell the coffee that my parents made every single morning of my entire life. So I'm, I'm 19 years old, come down. And I got angry. Where's the coffee? I want coffee right now. They pray. They prayed together an hour every morning, six to seven, every morning of their married life when they were together in the same house. No coffee. So my mom stops their prayer. I interrupt their prayer time, which was rude of me. And she said, well, honey, we, we asked the Lord Jesus this morning. Is there anything we have to have beside you? And the Holy Spirit said to you, to your father and to me, clearly coffee. So we've given it up. You can go ahead and make your own coffee. We're not going to drink it until he says we can again. Now, that may sound weird to somebody, but to me, it was the most freeing discussion of a lover of Jesus living in holiness that I've ever seen. It was it was the freedom to say, look, my, my life is yours. You can tell me whatever you want to tell me, and I will not do it or do it because I'm yours. I, I belong to you. I love you with all of my being. Now, they did pick up coffee two years later. But they never drank more than one cup a day. I saw a fundamental freedom in their lives, in that area of, of, of what they ate or drank. I, I, it was very intriguing to me. It was it was it was in, alluring to me. It was wooing to me. Like come dive into this. Dive into a life that's directed by the Spirit of God, where it's between you and Him. Right. And I know that people in churches try to help people by saying basic things that are moral laws in the Bible that never change. I totally agree with all those. It's in the nuances, though, that we seem to get caught up too much. You know, what we dress with and how we look, those kinds of things. I think the Lord says they're important, but they're not the major thing. Don't make them the major thing. So we tend to we tend to major on minors, I think, too often and miss them. Dave, you, Dave, you stepped out for a second, so now you're back. Yeah. So, so back. I'm, yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Yuri. Um, I'm, I'm curious. That's such a great example because, you know, <laughs> your parents get this very specific word from the lord um yeah. obviously they're walking intimately with him yes they're close to him they don't say like you're not drinking coffee either i don't know that exactly. they started did they start an anti-coffee denomination no. <laughs> <laughs> because i mean isn't that isn't that sociologically though isn't that kind of easy to do like you know oh christian creeds oh we all believe the same stuff so here's how my group's it's distinct black rifle coffee <laughs> <laughs> hey so <laughs> I'm letting that pass us. <laughs> That's Dave's favorite kind of coffee, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, man. I, yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I'm just curious as to, so yeah. I love, no. I love that example. And also I'm, I'm tremendously afraid of it because yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, if someone doesn't know the Lord well, yeah. if they yeah. aren't well versed in the scriptures, you hear sort of like a, uh, yeah a holiness 601 example and you're down here and you're in 101 and you're like how do i get there and actually it could maybe yeah. even create a fertile ground for a sensitive person to the lord's always speaking to me about things and an outsider or someone else within the church is like no they're not no mm -hmm. he's not but like, it's hard to get in once you have this framework mm -hmm. uh, am i making sense i, I just I totally are totally yeah. are thank you well first of all let me just say what i noticed in them all of my life was there was never this thing about making other people do what they did I noticed that about my folks. That was that was very alluring, even though I wasn't a Christian. 
They never said to me, you ought to stop drinking coffee or watch those coffee drink. They didn't do that, uh, which I think is very, very healthy. Now, again, the moral law, and that's a major discussion in this whole thing. I mean, the Ten Commandments, those never change. And those are the areas where we have the most difficulty because that's where the Lord speaks to every one of us, convicts us all, and we all are guilty. Apart from him, there's no way to keep that law, and we all know it. And so we find excuses to get around that. But we're talking about now excrescences, outside issues that are revelations of an intimate relationship. So I would say to the 101 person, which I feel like I still am, if you're in the word every day and you're saying with each verse, each phrase of the Bible, Lord, apply this to my heart, he will do that. And he will do that consistently. The Lord doesn't just give us like the enemy does, these little emotional pizzazz things. He keeps lovingly nudging, saying, this is not the best for you. I want more. I want to give you more of myself. And he will lovingly, continually, like a God, like a shepherd, like a like a father, and keep nudging you toward his best. The problem is most people don't want to hear. They don't want to hear him say anything about their the way they spend money, the way they spend their vacation. They don't want him involved in anything. I mean, John Wesley said, you want to pray before you buy anything because you don't want to abuse your use of the money that God's given to you. Now, that may sound weird to somebody, but I've bought things in my life that really should not have been bought. I didn't think two seconds. I just had the money. I, I did it. And it didn't connect Jesus with every element of my life. I mean, that's what it seems to me the Bible's talking about, a constant, fruitful walk with Jesus. But we're really walking, walking in life. I mean, that's what he said to Abraham, walk before me and be blameless for crying out loud. What's that mean? Walk with but I, I mean, it's all the way through the Bible. So that's where I, 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 I One of the challenges I've had when I think of this is like, how do you how do you discern the will of God and communicate with God in a way that you're not bringing in outside voices? You know, several yeah. examples growing up, different yeah. music things that I chose not to listen to. Um, and now I look at that and I realize, looking back, I, I realized how much I had brought in of external influences into my quiet alone time with God. And that shaped. And, and so often, and so when I'm hearing you say this, I'm saying yes, but the challenge that I have, and I feel like so many have had, mm-hmm. is that what, we can't help but be shaped by the church we're going to and the people that we're around. And so when we go to our quiet time and we say, okay, God, speak to us about this, it inevitably becomes that he speaks to us about those things it feels like that are happening in the church. And it took me a while to really um, connect, to find out, okay, what is really the voice of God here? And how do I separate that sometimes from external voices that are not necessarily the voice of God? So, I mean, how do you coach someone who's wrestling with what I've wrestled with? Well, you're probably the better one to to talk about this than I am, uh, because you work through this in a a wonderful way. Um, I I guess I'd go back to my first point, and I'm sorry if it's too repetitive, but if a person is desirous to hear the voice of the Lord, the only place that you can clearly hear, hear that is the Word of God. So time with the Lord in the Word and in prayer. That may be overwhelming to some people, but I think that's the foundation of all Christian relationship. But then I, I would say I tr- I want to come to the place of trusting the Holy Spirit more than I trust other people. Now, I think all of us have to grow through that because other people are important. I mean, the Lord never put us in some kind of bubble by ourselves. Now, be holy. It's, it's with other people. That's where we are sanctified, realizing what we don't have and can't give and can't love and can't forgive. Then the Lord says, now I can, I can sh- I'll show you. I can fill your heart with all these wonderful things for that person or that group. But 
to, to seek to be approved by a group seems to me to be the idol of most evangelical ministries. So Wow. I, Say that I, again. That, that was really good. Say that to again. Seek to be approved by the group, not by Jesus, but by the group first. That seems to be the sin of most of us in the church. So we've, we learn the language, we learn the actions, and we do them because we want to be accepted by them and not really run it through the grid of the lordship of Christ in our life. Now, I don't want to be strange. I mean, groups are groups. Everybody, I wear clothes like you guys because we're in a group. <laughs> it's not because you're impressing me to do so. It's, it's They're normal, natural things. But when you get to the nuances of of what not to listen to or what not to, to touch or what not, to, I think we need to be very, very careful. And as I read the New Testament, I find that apostles are saying, hey, it's pretty basic stuff we're talking about here. We're not talking about specifics. We're talking about fundamental things. Do you lie? Do you... Do you lust? Do you do you steal people's ideas? I mean, those the basic things are there, not how you're your clothing, the kind of music you listen to. Now I may have missed something. It may be there and I didn't I haven't seen it. But if it's there, it's not the major issue. That's why I keep going back to the moral law. The Ten Commandments are the, as Wesley said, the God. It's what this is what God looks like. It's he's not, he's not unfaithful. He he's he's never unfaithful to us. He never lies to us. He never goes after another lover. He he loves you. Amen. So if you want to be like him, your behavior will be shaped by his life in you. And I think it's what yeah. the commandments are all about. Not for me to, to set myself apart in some strange way, but to show the world just how wonderful and true and real the Lord is. Now, let me say, I believe those folks we're talking about all want the same thing, but they're at a different place than I am. And I, I need to be corrected by from them, I'm sure. But in my perspective, I think that's just too much to lay on a person's heart when they're just coming to, to Christ or just coming into the holiness relationship, knowing the Holy One intimately. It's just too much. And it, I think they get off track very quickly. I mean, one quick follow-up to that is, is how do you... Do, you know, in the line with what you just said, to me, one of the challenges is, is, you know, we talk about power structures. And so a lot of people, when I, when I sit down with them one-on-one -on -one in, in quiet, right? Um, we believe 95% of the, the same things, different denominational settings. Like we have so many, so much in common, but the challenge then becomes is we go back to the barnacles illustration, right? That those things um, keep people from, whether it's uh, positions of power, so you know how they would advance in the church, whether they could speak in the church, whether they could, and all these different things, and they become kind of the litmus test for someone's holiness, someone's for a maturity. Um, as I heard you say in a recent podcast, and, and so how do how do we um, how do we get out of that? I mean, how do we yeah. say okay, yeah, we think these things are important, and and really keep the whole the core, the most yeah. essential part. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think we do need, we need, of course, the Lord to help us. We need the word to help us. We need the body of Christ to help us. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to, trying to think about the people who are listening to us because I don't want to, I don't want to overstate the case. I believe that these issues are all important to someone in the body of Christ. I, I don't think we would have been drawn to them in case there'd been something that had, you know, been, been a real area of temptation or, or of actually you know, defeat for somebody. I mean, I, I'm sure that's happened to some folks. So I don't want to diminish their sensitivity. I don't think, though, I want to go there. I, I step with you and say, first of all, <clears throat> if 95% of our understanding of doctrine is, is the same, 
then we need to focus on that reality first. I would always focus on that first before I begin to talk about what to do or not do. I think the do's and don'ts come after a maturing Christian realizes the grace of God in their life, the work of the Holy Spirit in their life, and then they can begin to add particular things that nuance an intimate relationship. Like everyone has their own relationship. He should be able to say to you things he couldn't say because of your life, because of your background. There's some things I don't do that all my extended family does. For instance, I don't touch a drop of alcohol for various reasons, not just I'm a teetotaler. For various reasons, I don't. But they all, extended family now, they all drink. How, and how do you how do you view them? View them? Yeah, yeah. Like how do you like how do you have those conversations? Because I'm I'm, oh. I'm, guessing I'm the same in the same camp with you. So, yeah. well, it, it comes up and it it gets pretty vitriolic, pretty sadly, pretty quickly because I think <laughs> they don't like my position. Right. They don't allow me. I don't ever say anything to them about theirs. Yeah. Now I do believe the Bible says very clearly you're not to be drunk, and none of them have ever been clear to me on when it's a buzz if being buzzed is drunk. So we have very interesting conversations about the line there. And my response to them is, I don't want to get near that line. For me, in my earlier years, it was a temptation that could have become an addiction. Yeah, I yeah. never want to get close to that line again. So for me personally, I cannot touch a drop and I will not. It's yeah. my relationship with the Lord. They don't like that for the most part. Mm. It bothers them. They see legalism in it. And I'm saying, well, no, it's just, I'm just me. I'm not telling you anything. I'm just, I just following the Lord as he directs me. <laughs> uh, but I find that it may, and again, I'm going to sound very judgmental here. It's just a, a discussion point. I feel like when you talk about something like that, you really get to the nub. And that is, are we really willing, like my parents with coffee, are you really willing to give up anything he says to you? And most of us will shake our head in church, yes, but when we get home, no. I like that. That makes me feel yeah, good. Right. That's what I want, and I will keep that, and I'll do everything else, Lord, but not. don't touch that. And that's where I'm thinking our discussion really points to is holiness means any and every area is yielded to him. Mm. And I don't believe the Holy Spirit will ever take a believer and put them in a scary place when that's their heart desire. The church might, but not the Holy Spirit. He loves that kind of, of, of love language. I'm yours and you're mine is his love language. He's not going to abuse anybody or make you strange or odd or weird, maybe to somebody who's not a total, you know, a totally anti-Christ person. But in, in the main, you're going to be whole and healthy and joyful and peace-filled and gracious and kind and gentle and meek and loving. Those are all the gifts the Holy Spirit gives to everyone who yields their, their life to him. There's no hammering of legalism in anybody who's filled with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't in Jesus. He wasn't ever like that to anyone. Yeah. So I, I just want to be like him. And it's an ongoing relationship. It's, we all are growing. Nobody's reached the place of saying, I've got it all together, or know exactly what it means to be an American, In to add, to boot, with that in our culture. That's a very difficult one. So I look to guys like you. Our conversation helps me. It helps me to clarify where I am, what I'm saying. We need each other in this, I think. David, I'm curious to get your thoughts here because my pastor back a while ago, he wrote a post on the differences between like um, legalism 
and licentiousness, right? Kind of a big word there. But the, yeah. the, on the flip side, where uh, there are certain areas that I look back in my past and I think, man, that was really this, the attitudes I had were very legalistic and how I viewed the world. Yeah. Um, but then the danger, obviously, is you know, licentiousness, where anything goes, and that we associate any safeguards, as you're talking about, Bill, any safeguards or any areas that we are really sensitive to the Holy Spirit and say, I can't do that. Uh, yeah. We look at them as a sign of legalism and that, oh, you're just in bondage. And I just don't look at it that way. So, I mean, Dave, no. you know, yeah, well, what are your thoughts here as you hear it's this? It's interesting, you know, um, uh, when God speaks to you about something, something so weird. Okay. So here's a weird one for our family. Um, we don't have Netflix. Okay. I don't care if anybody has Netflix. I don't, I don't go around asking people. I don't tell them I'm telling you now. Um, yeah. but like, yeah. that's just a thing. We don't have Netflix. And I feel like that's sort of a, a weird barrier that maybe God put in my life. But in the, I believe that when he asked us to do that for the sake of our family, our kids, everybody else, like that's a, that's good for us. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't see as I've sort of grown with the Lord. And like you, like you said, I feel like I'm one-on-one still in one-on-one learning uh, to walk with the Lord. But I, when, when something, when he asks about something, you know, I don't see it as this, Oh, I'm, it's the no fun league sort of deal. I see it as, um, you know, I just told my son the other day, Hey, don't, don't go over there. You can't just run, a, you can't just run across the road, you know, like, Oh man, that's so restrictive. You know, what a restrictive dad, like, no, I really care about him. I care about his safety. Yeah. And I guess my concern for folks that have had, um, ill-defined what, what holiness is, or have, mm -hmm. have really pejorative, awful things associated with it, the barnacles, as Ed said, um, that they just react and, and, and our culture is getting pushed to extremes and yeah. it's, it's not good for anybody. So yeah. for example, yeah. the church hurt me or, or a, a church that teaches holiness a lot hurt mm -hmm. me. And mm -hmm. so I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm going to mm -hmm. be discipled mostly mm -hmm. by the Monday Christian podcast. But yeah, that's horrible. Don't ever do that. You know, <laughs> but, but seriously, these, yeah. these reactions exactly. and I, exactly. I feel, I feel bad. I, I don't know the way forward. I really want to help something engage with folks like that. Right. And I'm not right. always sure the best way. So in your experience, maybe, yeah. maybe there's a question. How yeah. do you, how do you, what's the way forward for somebody that's been hurt? Yeah. Wow. It's interesting. Uh, when I first got to seminary, there were a group of, of young men that came and I found out later that they all came from the same school and I won't name the school, but all of them in their face, I could tell they were, they were deeply damaged and they, they were very hurt. And it, again, I don't have that background described. Mine. I, I don't have it. I, mean, I, I knew about it, but I never really, now I'm sure in my early years of following the Lord, I'm sure I was pretty self-righteous. I, I know I was pretty arrogant. Uh, that Lord had to really deal with a lot of that junk in me. But but I watched them as they began, to, again, if, I hope I'm not too theological here, as they began to reflect on the nature of God's own being, this triune, mutual, eternal love. And to think then that that agape, that's the word in Greek for that kind of love, that agape love was poured into their hearts by the Holy Spirit. I think that kind of mutuality and relationality, not function, not legalism, but relationality, intimacy, 
began to do a healing work in, I think, all of those guys. I watched them made whole. Now, I want to say this very carefully. They did not reject their community, their past. They didn't reject it. They did see, though, how the rule-keeping had done some things to damage, to scorch them, sort of like to, to, to bother the inside circuits of their being. But they didn't, they didn't reject the whole thing. They were mature enough to say, no, there's, there was lots of good, lots of marvelous people and ideas that came out of that. I'm going to go a different way, but I, I'm grateful for that past. I'm not going to head. It, it produced who I am with these excrescence, these extras. I'm going to remove the extras and get back to the central thing. If the Lord wants to add extras, like no Netflix, which is a great place to be for most Christians, I want to tell you, Dave. I, I've not done it yet, but my wife and I have talked about it numerous times. Um, every every Christian's got to, to make those decisions for what, like you said, what's what's good for us. You know it's good for your family. It's good for your son not to run in the road. There are some places where the Lord says, stop, don't run down that street. And if you don't hear him, you're going to hurt yourself and probably produce spiritual death. And that's what holy activities are about. They're to try to keep us within the confines of his love without pushing through the boundaries all the time, yeah. which is what I did before Jesus. I, I was pushing every boundary and destroyed everybody around me. I couldn't even love my own mother for crying out loud. There's got to be an answer for that kind of sin. And there was, there was in him. Um, how do you, and I drink you, coffee, by the way, several <laughs> times a day. Just want to say that. <laughs> I, I do. I have a couple shots in the morning of espresso. Not a couple shots. He's espresso. got one of those fancy Breville coffee makers. So he's, Dave is, Dave is the, he's the quintessential coffee snob. Yeah. So I, I'm, I, I love my tradition's emphasis on personal yeah. piety. Yeah. I, I think um, I'm better for that. Um, as I've hung out with some really good Anglicans and other folks in mm. school recently, mm. I've seen this. Um, and if you're just looking at the, the context of the scriptures, this whole idea of growing up together, growing to full when each part is working properly. Can yeah. you talk a little bit in this, in this culture, possibly uh, mm. for a variety of reasons, maybe people sort of privatizing all of this growth and holiness. Yeah. yeah. What is, what does it look like for us? to grow up together. Um, Cause I think, I mean, to Ez's point, we don't mm. want to seek the approval of people. Right. Uh, ultimately I'm accountable to God, but yet God designed this body. So yeah. how does that factor into our growth in holiness or the concept of holiness in your mind? Well, I think it's integral. They, I, I, I do. Um, Wesley said it this way. It's a powerful sentence uh, came in, in the preface of a hymn book. I'm not sure why it ended up there, but he said there is social holiness. Um, and he went on to, to just use some graphic phrases to, to underscore that, but I won't I won't say those. It's yeah. just, and yeah. I thought back again, he was thinking trinitarily. You can't have a holy one without the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That is who the Holy One is. He's made us in his image, male and female, body of Christ, Israel. I mean, we're made to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood. That's what the yes. Lord said to Israel. So that community is a reflection, ought to be a reflection of his own holy love. That's what he desired. That's why he made us. So anyone who says, I don't need the church, is really, I think, being quite unlike what Jesus has for them. It's, I was almost going to say heresy, because a heresy is somebody who takes off with their own idea and does their own thing. That's never what it means to be a Christian. 
We always are a part of the body of Christ. We need each other desperately. The one another's of the New Testament verify that. Without one another, we we can't express love. In fact, the Lord said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Not love me more, but love one another. So that love may not be expressed exactly like we like in every place, but I believe there is a place for every believer. And I believe the church is the foundation of that. Now, is any church perfect? No. Try to find one. I've never found one. There are all kinds of cultural problems, church issues, leadership. Everybody's got issues. But holiness is the is the loving nudge of the Lord to say, keep growing. I mean, Ezra mentioned earlier this, this thing about uh, authority. I've seen that abused in almost every denomination I've ever been near or a part of. I've watched leaders in a denominations never forgive each other, not forgiving. So I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to say holiness, let's say it all the way. If I want to be a holy person filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's what the Holy Spirit does, he makes holy, then he's going to have to direct me as to how I am to be a person. And you can only be persons in relationship. So that's that's where I focus with all of my theology, all of my Bible study, is how to be in relationship. And the, interestingly, Bible, which has been the most profound revival in modern history, nothing like it before and nothing like it after, was based upon small group discipleship in which holiness was the focus for most of those people. Yes. Were they perfect in performance? No. Did they have hearts full of love? Yes. And that affected culture. And they loved the Anglican Church the entire time. They went there for the Lord's Supper every single time they could. Yeah. So, And they loved the doctrines of the, of the Anglican Church. So I think what you're talking about can be redone in our day. I just, I'm with you. I don't think people really have any out by saying, you know, I don't like that church. I don't like that past. Just we need to grow up and wake up and look at what it takes to be a person in this day and age who can confront all the sin, all the evil around us with with grace, but also with purity. And that takes me being with people, men like you, and I wish I had more relationship with you guys, to guide me as to just a conversation. If I, if I heard you say you'd given up Netflix, that would help me to do something in my life if I needed to. Yeah. Most, most people excuse themselves. I don't want to excuse myself. I want to say, Lord, show me. Keep showing me. Don't make me a law-focused person. I don't want to do that, but I want to be focused on you. And if something is a shadow across our relationship, it's done. I want it out of my life. And the Lord helps me. I mean, Bill, I'm thinking of the, you know, iron sharpens iron thing. Dave and I have done that how many times? He's talked about, oh, I'm memorizing, you know, uh, Matthew 5. So I'm like, oh, man, I want to memorize. And But the difference, I think, before would have been like, oh, man, I need to memorize. right? As opposed to, oh, boy, like, I need to memorize. I think that's the big big difference between the two. And, you know, what's interesting, I'm thinking for the person listening to this, and they're not really familiar with the term holiness and and all that. Um, But Mm -hmm. I I think of different uh, influential speakers, uh, motivational Mm -hmm. speakers, maybe like David Goggins, right? Can't hurt me. And he's runs like, uh, you know, a marathon every single day, it feels like. And he's just incredibly disciplined. And we admire people like that. Um, James Clear wrote a a book called Atomic Habits, right? And all these, these areas, we admire people, I think, that have a high commitment to excellence. And we don't really think that's weird. We don't really think that's weird in, in other areas. And actually, we kind of admire someone who's a little bit weird. We admire actors that are weird, We admire, you know, and, and on down the list. And so when it comes to the holiness, the way I would look at it differently 
is that not that you'd be weird, but but that there are certain aspects of your life that as you mature, you're just going to look differently and, and have to make decisions that are different than other people. And it's not like you're trying to be above them, but exactly. you're doing it not just, again, to advance your career because you want to go here, as is often the case with other influential speakers. That's kind of the end game. There's something that's that's deeply eternal about that. That you're you're growing in Christ likeness, not for just for this life, but that it's it's a continuation that that goes on throughout your life. And for me, I find that incredibly fulfilling. And so, when you think of the aspect of holiness, and someone were just to ask you off the street, you know, why why are you? Do you consider yourself a holy person? Why why is this helpful for, for my life? Um, yeah. yeah. How do you talk about it? Yeah. Well, back to my first moment or two, uh, I only am holy in any sense because he is in me. So there's no holiness that I ever have. It's only Jesus in me. I think it's what the Holy One, who I believe is the God of all reality, the Holy One, is desirous to make me like himself. He made me for himself, and I want him to have full access to who I am. So I don't claim in him. I don't want anything apart from him. I do believe that as he fills my life, he does make it better. It's interesting how often in the Bible the word beauty and holiness go together. I don't think there's any really beautiful life without holiness. I think it's messed up in some selfish way without the holy love of our hearts. And I want to live a beautiful life. I want to live. A, I want to have a beautiful marriage. I want to have a beautiful family. And I want then the Lord to offer to me, to give to me, to reveal to me any place in my life which is opposed to his beautiful will for my life. It's 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 not a frightening thing to me. It's a it's a it's a deeply intimate, loving response. It's a covenantal response, almost like a marriage. I trust him entirely, and so I give myself entirely to him. And that means, again, like we said, he can touch any area of my life and say it's done or change it or all. And and I I think that's what perfection means in the Bible. It means with him, he makes it whole. He makes it complete. He, he fills you with his fullness, not your stuff. Paul says it's you're filled with the fullness of God. And I think that can happen before heaven. I love your focus on, on the future eschatology, you know, what comes next. I think it's a great point. I mean, shouldn't we now be preparing in love to meet him face to face? We all will. And when you meet him, we're going to know his holiness in a way that Isaiah and others bumped into him. Moses, Paul, you're going to bump into a blast furnace of purity, and I'd like to get to know him in his fire-like love before I see him face to face. So that's that's kind of where I where I am, and it's not a frightening thing. It's a it's a very in, again alluring, wooing, inviting thing for me. So maybe I'm just weird, but that's the way I look at it. <laughs> no, that's that's helpful. I know we're almost out of time here as well. But Joe writes in. He he asked this question: um, How do we teach this to our kids? I got a, you know, Dave's got young kids. I got a four, two and an eight month old. I mean, how do I teach the concept of holiness to them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the key is of course, for you to be holy. The key is for you to be living in a relationship of, of mutual, uh, all the things I've just mentioned, mutual giving, receiving, deeply loving, deeply trusting him. They will pick that up immediately. Just like I did for my parents. I was a rebel, but I still understood they were, they were the Lord's. And they loved him, and they loved other people. Uh, that that's a key. But then I would I would say any place you go in Scripture, if you're open to this, open to seeing holiness, you will see it everywhere in Scripture. 
I'm reading through the Old Testament again for the what 50th time, and I'm seeing that every book, if you step back and look at it, every book, First Chronicles, where I'm just ending now, a book about kings and people. I'm, the, the, the key difference in those good kings and bad kings is one word in Hebrew, two words, a whole heart. Do you have a whole heart or not? So I would say any place you are having Bible study with your children, any place you're looking at Jesus, you're saying all the time, Lord, show me, I can emphasize either really or what is hope. And it's a lot of different things. It's not just one concept. It's the holiness is all over the Bible. Um, so so that's where, where I would go. And that's what I do with my, my, I've done with our children. We have my wife and I, and with our grandchildren, talk about the fullness of, of his life every time we can. Is it hard? Yeah. Do they look disinterested? Yeah. But we keep, we keep doing it. And we hope we keep modeling it. I would say the best thing in, in our day is, is that if you're married and you want to express holiness in your, in your family circle is to love your spouse. I think for me, that's the key issue. If you don't love your spouse and express love that's tangible, that's seeable, no one's ever going to believe in holiness. They're not going to believe in it wow. because they're not going to see the very essence of what God said. This is my clearest image. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff we could talk about there. But that for me is a, is a fundamental place. And that's the where the Lord is always challenging me in my 37th year of marriage. Do I love my wife like she deserves to be loved? Hmm. And I need wow. to learn. There's more. I'm not, wow. I'm not where I need to be, want to be, but I'm, I want to focus on more and more for her on her on her behalf to make her a better person to enable her to be better i should say in in his in his eyes so that was kind of meandering answer but that's my best shot at it ezra dave wrap us up here any closing thoughts you have closing question no i just i appreciate uh the winsome way you share dr yuri and um what's the best way for people to to kind of connect with you can you yeah kind of talk well, about that specifically, just for it's specifically if if they're unfamiliar with holiness yeah. this whole concept where yeah. where would you recommend that they go um yeah. your podcast what where would you recommend well, i don't know if i'd say my podcast that's a pretty a pretty weak place but <laughs> I, I think i think it could be i think it could be helpful to some people uh you know the lord's given us uh, this is my 25th year of doing that podcast or that radio program yeah uh, so there's a lot of thinking i think even people will see some hopefully some growth in my my concept of holiness the, over those 25 years but um the, the place right now, there are two places that I would go. The one is um, the, the, the Francis Asbury Society. So it's FAS. Francis it has a really interesting group of books. Um, for, for me, in my background, there are two authors that really are the foundation authors for me. One is Dennis Kinlaw. And I believe anybody who wants to read a winsome theologian, Bible scholar who can write in a way that anybody can understand, it's Dennis Kinlaw. He's now in heaven. But his books are, are phenomenal books, all of them, every one of them is. And I would, I would pick up any of those and start reading. Um, but um, there are a lot of other author, authors there at that, at that website, at that bookstore. I would really recommend that. And then Seedbed is a Methodist group, but they've got a lot of great stuff that's coming out. A lot of the stuff we talked about in terms of perfect love, band meetings, uh, a name for those Wesleyan small groups, class meetings, how to start one, how to maintain one. They've got a lot of really clear, short books with helpful directions for anybody who's really wanted to dive into this. So those are two places I would I would recommend highly. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Plus your podcast. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, no, I would, if you're not going to recommend it, I definitely will. The Hour of Holiness podcast, um, I definitely recommend it because some people, they love to read. Dennis Clinton-Laws, I love his writing, but some people, they're driving to and from work and turning on a podcast is a simple way. And me personally, I love listening to it because um, you just, you approach scripture from a very fresh perspective. So thank you for that. And <laughs> thank, thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, would you mind closing us out with a word of prayer? And oh, uh, I would I, love that. we don't do that every podcast, but um, today it felt appropriate. Thank you. All right. Lord Jesus, thank you for these wonderful men and for this vision they have to uh, share who you are across uh, these airwaves. I, I just, an amazing thing. I'm not sure who's listening, Lord, of course, but I pray for every single heart and every single uh, mind and spirit that nothing that we've shared today will confuse them or put them off from your beautiful character, your nature, your essence. We want to know who you are, Lord, and thank you for showing us who you are clearly in ways we cannot miss. Thank you for showing us what we need and showing us who we are. And so we want to just say today, Lord, show us any place where we're not like you. We trust you. We've come to love you. And we ask you to do in us a work that's worthy of your holy nature in us. That's what you desire. So Holy Spirit, would you bring Jesus and all of his benefits, all of his gifts to us and apply them deeply in our hearts that we might be winsome, free, love-filled, grace-filled people in this world who are aware of what can destroy, but we're not afraid of those things. We're walking with you. You're walking with us. And we love that kind of, of uh, joy, the joyful step that you put in our hearts when, when you're, we're walking with you. Thank you, Lord, for your, your nature. Thank you that we desire more and more of you, and you're always showing us more. Thank you that you never expect more than we can give. You always give to us exactly what we need. So we're trusting you for more of that day by day. In your precious name, we pray, pray Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Guys. We'll talk to you all again next week. All right. Bless you. Well, that was a great conversation. I always love listening to Dr. Yuri speak. I can't help but call him Dr. Yuri because that's he was one of my professors. And so I feel like when someone is a professor of yours, they're like a doctor in your mind for life. Yeah, it's a it's a real thing to overcome. I think he'd be the kind of guy, though, that would would when you talk to him on a in conversation, he would look at you and say, as please call me Bill. Yep. He's just a down to earth guy. And even just in some of his conversation, I just love his ability to take weighty theological material and even speak out sort of personally as, as someone who is on the journey rather than someone who is like ascended to the mountain is now teaching everybody. Cause he, he is, he's ahead of us on the journey in some ways as, but in, in a lot of ways, he's just another guy by God's grace. That's, um, walking with the Lord. And I, I just appreciate that about him. Well, and from my perspective, I think from yours as well, the whole idea of holiness, what is it? Well, it's just being more like Jesus. So if it's confusing to you, if the term's confusing, whatever, um, just kind of what does it mean to be like Jesus? And that is the whole Bible helping us in some respect to become more like Christ. It's conforming us more into the image of Christ. And when you read scripture with that perspective, it becomes much more than just a book on moral teachings and good ideas for your life. And it actually gets to the root of some of the deep challenges that we wrestle with. Um, I mean, even in this podcast, David, we, we share different areas where the Holy Spirit has spoken to our lives. And you shared about, well, he shared about coffee, Bill shared about coffee, and then you shared about, um, oh, what was it? Uh, Netflix, right? Yeah. Yeah. And for my life, I mean, there's, there's different things, you know, that I don't do that um, other people other people could, but it's kind of the outworking of holiness. So, 
Yeah, I loved anyway. it. Great conversation. I'm glad that God wants to do something more than just justify us. As amazing as that it raising us from the dead, but that he can transform us because uh, yeah. of his power. He wants us to share in his character and enjoy this relational intimacy with him, even, even in things where, where maybe, hey, that's out of bounds for you now. It's so that. It's like this growth journey. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. And, yeah. and you have to, you, you can't just take somebody else's word for it. At some point, you have to experience it to right. really understand what somebody is saying. And I'm just, I'm grateful for that kind of God, for that kind of patient God who allows mm. me and, and he extends to me the privilege of walking with him and sharing in his character in this great body of Christ that I'm a part of. I don't know if you got that point that I was making earlier to him, but like, you know, we, you enjoy like military backgrounds. We both enjoy watching military shows, whether it's on the Navy SEALs or et cetera, right? And the discipline that goes into that. But then you think of that, how many people, we've talked about this, Dave, are highly disciplined in one area of their life. And then another area of their life is completely falling apart. Like they are, when it comes to their job, they are super uber focused. And yep. then they get home and it's like their, their family has just fallen apart. But what I love about the whole concept of holiness is that it transforms every, it's a holistic approach. Yeah. It transforms every aspect of our lives and conforms us more to the image of Christ. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's so, not a burden. It's beautiful. It, yeah. It's, it's the, he's, it's like he's moving us back to the way we were originally designed. Mm. It, it, it's just, yeah, it's like fixing that. the broken things inside of me yeah. and, uh, and more fully manifesting his character to the world. I, I just, I love being in that kind of relationship. I'll plug it again. The Hour of Holiness podcast by Bill Yuri. And do me a favor. One of the cool things you can do, go and like it and subscribe to it on iTunes. Leave it a five-star review. That's a cool way to say thank you uh, to him for coming on this podcast. So thanks for coming. And we'll talk to you all again next week. Thank you for listening to the Monday Christian Podcast. To support our vision and find new ways to put your faith into action throughout the week, visit themondaychristian.com. That's themondaychristian.com.